Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Yo. Yo. Aubrey Edwards, Tony Schiavone, we bout to party. We bout to party. Unrestricted. Got the house now. We gon' turn it up, up, bring the house down. Got that big space pump and make them bounce now. Flossing like they bossing and the freaks are coming out now. Welcome to another edition of AEW Unrestricted. We are the official podcast of All Elite Wrestling. And I'm Tony Shivani along with my longtime friend and co-host, Aubrey Edwards. Hey, Aubrey. Hey, it has been a long time. It feels like forever. Yeah, it does. We, uh, it's a very special edition of Unrestricted. We have a very, very special guest with us, uh, a young man that I've known for, well, not that long, but it truly is one of the great athletes in AEW, one of the nicest guys, and one of the guys that I really enjoy being around. And uh, hang on one second. I've just received a note. Okay. Well, that guy's not here, so we'll have to go with Jimmy Lethal. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, I'm talking about Jay Lethal. How you doing, Jay? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing great. And uh, you know what's wild? You mentioned, you know, we really haven't known each other that long, but it doesn't feel like that. I know. It feels like. Tony, it feels like we've known each other forever. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> from the time you walked out and screened my name out when we introduced you, big pop from the fans. Oh, Buddy, it's, it's, it is great having you here. It really is, man. Thank you. Thank, thanks for having me. Uh, I was really looking forward. To, I, I, we tried to schedule this at one point before, but then I was doing a lot of traveling and I, I felt so bad. And then i having to see you guys at work. I'm like, oh no, I, I couldn't do the show. I'm, I'm all good, all good, totally understandable. Okay, thank you, Aubrey. Just going back to that that super nice guy that Jay Lethal is. Like, I'm so sorry, I can't make the podcast. I'm like, you got life, brother. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> We've had two people cancel because they had babies, and someone whose like wife went into surgery. So like, it's more than okay. <laughs> got it. Well, you know, I didn't cancel. So they were they were booked and then couldn't do it. Correct. I, okay, so I do feel good about that. Not that they had to cancel, but I wasn't booked and then had to cancel. I just we just had a scheduling thing and I couldn't get booked. That's all right, Matt Menard and Kyle O'Reilly, you're put on notice. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you be committed fathers? <laughs> How dare you? All right, let's let's get talking to about Jay Lethal and his incredible career you can't say ring of honor without jay lethal i feel like he's just let me just read through the list longest reigning roh world television champion at 567 days you're the only man to hold both the roh world television and world championship titles at the same time you're a grand slam champion you're a tag team champion with jonathan gresham you guys were named the tag team of the year in 2021 and you're the roh wrestler of the decade Mm. Which is like just insane. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. 
you know, I really think that my life is described or is my favorite movie, which is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Mm. I do feel like I am Charlie. I won the golden ticket. And what I mean by the golden ticket is I won a contest to be trained for free as a professional wrestler. Oh, wow. There's the chocolate factory right there. And one amazing thing after another has happened to me. I never set a goal to do any of those things that you just listed, Aubrey. I, I just one day at a time, hoping that I could get to Ring of Honor. I never set a goal to work with and get to become friends with idols and people that I looked up to growing up. Coming into a building every day, screaming, Shivani! Uh, like this all just kind of just happened. And I, I am so blessed and so fortunate and extremely lucky. And yeah, I'm just living of the real life Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It's wild. Yeah. So you, you get signed by AEW. And then, of course, AEW buys Ring of Honor. First of all, talk about meeting Tony Khan and the days leading up to you actually coming aboard with us. Okay, so uh, I got fired from Ring of Honor. Uh, well, actually, the hell okay, with them. Get, was that? Yeah, everyone got fired. Yeah, <laughs> right. Every, so it was a mass releasing. So uh, fired is not the right word, right? Uh, so they let everybody go. the The odd part is, right, the, the year before they let everybody go, I was considering coming to AEW because I felt like the only reason that I hadn't gone to AEW and jumped ship in the very beginning was I was extremely loyal to Ring of Honor. And I felt like with everybody leaving, they needed to be somebody to stay and try and help. And I felt because they were so loyal to me, I was going to try to stay and help. That was, you know, my duty to them had was slowly coming to an end. I felt like I had, you know, they were good to me. So I was good to them right. for a time. And it was time to start exploring other options. I That was in my mind, but I didn't do it. I stayed and, uh, continue to help out at ring of honor well then as luck would have it uh, about october we're in the pandemic they're having these sporadic shows everybody's getting paid still which we're all excited about and you know kudos to them tipping their hat because we had a lot of people on the roster particularly a lot of overseas people that they didn't let go they kept them to pay them so kudos to them but uh, it was just a perfect storm of events, not having many shows, not drawing too well when we did have the shows, paying everybody. It was just they couldn't take it anymore. Company closes. And now I can finally explore that option that I was thinking about, which is I know well almost everybody minus Aubrey. I, we had never met before, uh, but I was very familiar with almost everybody on the AEW roster. So it was just a natural fit. I got the ball rolling as soon as possible, even flew to Baltimore two days after they had that Zoom call with us to get official release papers so that I could officially start talking to AEW. Now, the wild thing is throughout all those talks, it was like a three to four day talk, emails, exchanges. Tony's copied on the emails, but he's not responding. Mm. That's normal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, he's not responding, but so always watching. He's okay. Always watching. That's right. Always watching. Right. Yeah. So, but I, I'd never gotten to actually talk to him personally, but every email exchange, everybody that I was dealing with, he was copied on it all. But I'd never got to talk to him. And I was like, oh, man, I got hired. I'm like, I, I still have yet to talk to Tony. Is this going to be awkward? Is this going to be weird when I. <laughs> Like, oh, man, how is this going to go? Right. So uh, I get to the building. Right away, I'm led to the room where all of my 
every corner you turn, there's, oh, man, I haven't seen you in a while. Oh, man, good to see you and hugs. Um, the first room, the first actual room I go into, there's the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. And Christopher Daniels was in there. They're like, oh, Tony's on his way. So I'm a little nervous. So uh, door opens and I look and it's not Tony Khan. It's Tony Schiavone. <laughs> I was like, wait, is this the Tony they were talking about? No, I had never met Tony uh, Schiavone yet. So I'm a big fan of Tony's and. I was like, oh, man, this is so cool. And right away, he starts busting my chops. <laughs> and like, like I said, it was as if, Tony, we had known each other for years. I know. Right away. Oh, man. I remember the line. I said, Jay, it's so great to see you. <laughs> Don't fuck up out there. Got to go. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. It, you're right. It's like it's like we've known each other for years. And it's it's been fun. It, it, it's been great times. Nothing but great times. Actually, before that, Tony Khan was walking around. I said, hey, uh, have you met Jay Lethal? He said, nah, fuck him. You go in and meet him. <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> you and I could just sit here and laugh for 45 minutes. I'd, you know? I'd, I'd, it'd be great. I'd love it. I'm okay just sitting here watching you two just bust each other's balls. This is great. This is my favorite podcast. This is awesome. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I remember when uh, the Ring of Honor news broke and like one of the first thoughts I had is, like, oh, maybe we'll get Jay Lethal now. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of always seemed like, even though we had never met after, you know, I'd, I'd watched you for years on the indies, like back when you were in House of Truth, you, you had both titles and all this stuff. And I'm just like, it just felt like you were a very loyal guy. I'm like, man, this guy's probably a very good person because it's just kind of like the personality traits that when you have someone that's that loyal, like they're just so nice and kind. I mean, I met you. You're just like, oh, hello. Hello. <laughs> it's like going back to the Willy Wonka thing, like a kid in a candy store. Like there's just so much cool stuff happening and everyone's so excited that you're there. Right. Right. So absolutely wonderful. Like I said, the, the moment I got there, first person I saw, I remember was Christian, uh, who I hadn't seen since uh, we were at impact wrestling together the thing about wrestling and the while it's so hard to grasp unless you're in it is you know you can see particular wrestlers every week because you guys are on the same shows and then you know life happens and now you're working for a different company or they're working for a different company and years go by and you don't really talk as much you don't text or call but they know that you still care about them it's just you're busy trying to do the best you and they're busy trying to be the best them. Um, so years can go by and then something happens and you're back to working for the same company or you you guys get to see each other for a little period of time. And for most wrestlers, it's as if that time in between never existed. You just pick right up where you left off. And Christian always made fun of the way I talked. He thought I he was like, oh, you talk so proper and like, and you got and he, he does a good impression of me, I think. Well, anyway, as soon as I saw him, right away, he goes right into his impression of me. It, it was like time, the time in between what didn't even exist. Uh, we just picked right up where we left off. That, that's one of the coolest parts about the wrestling business to me. Yeah, I agree. I think I haven't been in the business as long as both of you, but it's just I get that same impression. It's just, oh, man, you just see these friendships rekindle because everyone has known each other for decades and decades and it's just it's so great right speaking of great all of the stuff with ring of honor happens it's absolutely crazy everything's moving so fast and then all of a sudden ring of honor super card of honor is here and you have this amazing match with lee moriarty 
Sanjay Dutt comes out and I'm like, this is great. Immediately, I'm like, oh, I love working with Sanjay. This is great. And then both you guys turn into assholes and start beating up Lee Moriarty. And I'm like, I don't think this is so great anymore. <laughs> turn into? Turn into assholes. Whoa. Yes. Whoa. 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 <laughs> maybe, maybe it was already there a little bit. Maybe it was already there. I, I'm not. I'm not making conjecture. I'm not. Not blaming people. Shivani's giving me classes. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching the end of uh, Rampage last week, and Sanjay is standing there, t- uh, shouting about you, pointing at what with his thumbs. And I said, Sanjay, I said, you know what? I've been in this business a long time, but you're the most obnoxious fucker that I've ever seen on camera <laughs> in my life. And I've seen a lot of them, man. It's just <laughs> like you want to go. You want to go right through. It goes me right through. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Speaking of Sanjay, uh, what's it like getting to work with Sanjay again? Oh my goodness. Getting to work with your best friend in the whole world is a dream come true. It there's this adage for some wrestlers that this doesn't really feel like work. But then you put on top of that getting to work with your best friend closely in a group. I mean, it's unreal. I, I'd like to tell you about the first time I met Sanjay. And you know what? He has always been this stand-up representative of what I feel like a real man is. Like, takes care of business, doesn't tiptoe around. If there's an issue, he wants to tackle it right away. Let's not let it fester. Like, no tiptoeing around. He taught me a lot about how to let people treat me and how to treat other people, what is okay to stand for and what's not okay, how to let people treat you. Man, he, he is, in saying that, Uh, The very first time I ever met Sanjay, it had to be 2003 or 2004. We were on a professional wrestling show together and we were going to be wrestling each other. And now uh, (laughs) the promoter at the time said, this is a family show, guys, no cursing. (laughs) You guys are going to have a good match, blah, blah, blah. So right before we go through the curtain, again, the promoter says, guys, family show, tear it up out there. No cursing, just remember. Yikes. So Sanjay's the bad guy. We go out, I do my entrance, my family's in attendance. And anytime my family's in attendance, they go crazy. It's infectious, the crowd. You know, they they really help the crowd get into it and cheer for me, especially when the crowd didn't know who I was. Well, anyway, Sanjay comes to the ring. This is my first day meeting him. We're going to be wrestling each other. The promoter said not to curse, and he grabbed the microphone (laughs) To to solidify the fact that he was the bad guy. Uh, And he said probably every curse word that I could ever imagine. And from then on, we were best friends. (laughs) I couldn't, I said to myself, wow, this guy doesn't care about anything. Needless to say, he was total opposite. I don't know what got into him that day, but uh, yeah, that was the first day we ever met. We were friends ever since. We got a lot to talk about with Jay Lethal. He's our guest on AEW Unrestricted. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about uh, his thoughts on TK Bind Ring of Honor and his thoughts about his legendary impersonations, which is how the world got to know Jay Lethal when Unrestricted continues. This is AEW Unrestricted. Tony and Aubrey here with Jay Lethal, Ring of Honor legends quickly cementing his legacy in AEW. Before we get underway, I want to ask a question that my husband just turned around the corner and said, you have to ask this question. (laughs) So I remember back in the day, watching Ring of Honor, 
at whatever time of day it aired on whatever channel I was watching. And there's Jay Lethal saying, do you got back pain? Kick out! Uh. <laughs> this commercial for these braces. <laughs> and I will never forget it. <laughs> okay, first of all, Giovanni, have you ever seen those commercials or no? No, but damn it, I'm going to watch them immediately. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> we had Sinclair Broadcasting owned during of Honor, and they had a local station here in Tampa. So, whenever they needed something filmed, a commercial or something, I was like the go-to person. I'd say, because the station is five minutes from my house. They said, go there, need to read these liners or, you know, film this or film that. So, uh, one time they brought me in, they said one of the sponsors is this uh, knee brace whatever and they're like we need you to here's they they wrote out what we wanted you to say so they i'm reading this and i'm like man this is like am i free to ad lib can i change some of this stuff no no this is these are the lines they want oh my <laughs> and god in, in my head i was like man this is like back in the day hulk hogan would be doing this like yeah and then i kind of like started doing something and then the guy there his name was mark davis he was like that's great so i was like yeah okay i'll do it like that so in my head, I was picturing like, man, if this was back in the day, Hulk Hogan putting over this knee brace, it's got to be over the top. You know, if you if knee or back pain's got you down for the count, then kick out with like, like, and that, and for some reason, we do it. He loves it. I loved it. We watched it back. I was like, yeah, okay, cool. I go home. And when this commercial starts airing, first they start clowning the commercial, like, oh, this is ridiculous. But then it was like, it became so ridiculous that they loved it. So it, it turned into, oh, this is ridiculous. Like how cheesy this commercial to, oh my God, I love this commercial. Then people who would meet me wanted me to, you know, say some of the lines from the knee brace commercial. I was like, wow, I guess job well done. It was cheesy and hokey and over the top so much that they loved it. I couldn't watch a single episode of Ring of Honor without seeing that commercial. And it just felt... <laughs> synonymous to see this amazing wrestling from all these guys and then to hear Jay Lethal talk about knee braces. Yes. It's just like that's that's what you get when you watch Ring of Honor wrestling. <laughs> and uh, I, I sadly never got a knee brace but luckily I didn't need one. It doesn't matter like one day you're going to have to kick out of that knee pain. <laughs> that's, that's right. One day it's going to have me down for the count and I'm going to have to kick out. There you go. Tony, you got to see. I am. I'm going to watch it immediately when we're done here. I really am. Okay. Okay. Hey, so uh, let me ask you, first of all, before we get into uh, some more about your legendary stuff, what did you you think when uh, TK bought Ring of Honor? My instant thought right away, because, man, when they dropped that bombshell on us and, you know, I could see, because we were all on a Zoom call and I could see some of the faces on there in panic and me personally knowing Three of them who just moved and bought houses three months before that. Oh, man, it was heartbreaking. So the second that I heard about Tony Khan buying Ring of Honor, I got to admit, the first thing I thought of was, man, hopefully this leads to some of the people who didn't have jobs getting, if not, if not a full-time gig, at least something more than what they've got. Because, man, Ring of Honor closing put a lot of people uh, in a tough spot, broke my heart. Yeah. But that was the first thing I thought of. Second thing I thought of was Ring of Honor has always had 
an incredible roster. No matter what era you look, no matter what year you look at the roster that they've had, they've always had an incredible roster. And this real niche audience, the only thing that Ring of Honor has never had uh, is some grand stage uh, or a platform so that more eyes could be on the company. This is right. And that's exactly what they're going to get now. So, man, I'm, I'm so happy and proud that uh, Tony owns Ring of Honor and the legacy is going to get to continue and more people are going to see it than ever before. I think it's really great just with the combined history of Ring of Honor and AEW. Like how many of our stars got their start at Ring of Honor? How much has you know Ring of Honor been you know, the base of kind of what we've built. Like, it's just, it's so great. And it's just insane. It was like, man, this is so great because this is such an important moment in history. And now it's going to be well taken care of and well respected. It's just, I'm so happy about it. And I'm looking forward to uh, seeing, as there's no Ring of Honor shows announced yet. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to see how this whole thing plays out. It's so it's going to be so interesting, I'm sure. We can't have Jay Lethal on this podcast and not talk about the Ric Flair woo off. Yes. Just, just talk about it. Just talk about it because it's it's this amazing clip that a lot of people like discovered you. Okay, and where Ric Flair's in the rings, like doing his woo, and you're trying to one up him, and it's just like, what the hell is happening here? Yes. Okay, so there are two things that I really feel that put Jay Lethal on the wrestling map. If there were a wrestling map, uh, one is the Black Machismo character that I did, um, and the other is the Ric Flair imitation mm -hmm. unfortunately jay lethal didn't put himself on that wrestling map in fact uh raven he said to me one day he goes jay your macho man impression spot on your rick flair impression what do you say your rick flair impression well anyway he said it was good he goes <laughs> but, your, but your jay lethal impression needs some work <laughs> uh but yeah the the rick flair thing was incredible but i knew even from a young age that I could do this Macho Man impression, I did it around the house all the time. Never once did I attempt the Ric Flair one, though. And the only reason I found that I could do that, ironically enough, uh, we were all over in the UK. And on one of the off days, you know, wrestlers get bored. We all went down to the bar. Everybody was there. Drinks plenty. I had a few too much to drink. And I'm a lightweight because I don't drink that often. So just one or two is enough to make me tipsy. And that is how I found out I could do this amazing Ric Flair impression. In fact, I didn't even think it was that good until the next day I got on the bus and people are wooing and they're putting up the four fingers because we had such a great time last night. And that's when I was like, wow, the Ric Flair thing that I was doing must be pretty good. That's how I found out I could do it. Wow. So uh, then it became this thing where I did it all the time in the locker room. In fact, Earl Hebner, who liked it the most, we wouldn't even say hi to each other. We would just start wooing or strutting, just like, exactly like Tony and I do. Tony and I don't <laughs> even say hi to each other. <laughs> we just look at each other <laughs> and strut. One time, <laughs> I see Earl, I start wooing, I strut, and he doesn't strut and he doesn't woo. I go, oh, maybe Earl's having a bad day. So when, as I get closer to him, I go, what's up, Earl? And he goes, you'll never believe who's coming here. And instantly... My heart dropped. I mean, my stomach, you know, sank because I knew exactly what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. Everybody was going to put me on the spot and make me do the impression for him. Uh, so I was terrified. I didn't think that I would get to work with him, but I was terrified. So 
weeks leading up, I'm getting more and more nervous. And finally he's there and he's always got a big group of people around him. It's his first day there. So I try to time my introduction at a point where there's nobody around him, but it never happened. Mm -hmm. So then there was a point where there was just a massive amount of people around him. I go, maybe this is better than nobody because there's so many people he won't even realize. So uh, I, we, you know, wiggle through the crowd and get to him. And right before I get to him, I'm like, how, what do I say? Mr. Flair or Rick or like, what? A, uh, so I, don't, uh, I get to him. I stick my hand. Out, I go, ah, Rick, uh, Jay Lethal is pleasure to meet you. And he looks down on my hand and he looks up at me and he goes, let me hear it. <laughs> <laughs> and every, it's like everybody around, it's like that record scratching or that outlaw walks into the saloon and everybody stops playing cards and looks. Everybody's looking. <laughs> and uh, without skipping a beat, I jump right into the promo that Flair cut when uh, he helped Undertaker beat Hulk Hogan for the world title. Mm -hmm. And man, he absolutely loved it. Everyone starts laughing. And he didn't even, he kind of just like walked away and goes, kid does me better than I do myself. <laughs> no, thank you. He never thanked me. There'd be some times where we have these house shows. And when I get there, I would hear him screaming for me. Lethal, you son of a bitch. Where are you? And so I knew what that meant. So I'd go find him. He'd go do it. So whoever he was with, I'd do the impression for him. <laughs> At the end of it, they'd turn and walk away. And he's laughing while they're walking away. And I hear him say, he does me better than I do myself. Never thanked me. But, you know, just the fact that he appreciated it was thanks enough. Right. So we, sorry, it's a long story. No, it's, it's good. That's great. To get to uh, me working with him had to be his idea because at Impact Wrestling, there's no way they're telling Ric Flair what to do. So he must have went and said, I want to work with Lethal. So one day I get there, Vince Russo goes, comes up to me, goes, bro, <laughs> you got a promo today with Ric Flair. I go, oh, my God, no way. He goes, yeah. Bro. You do a pretty good Vince Russo, too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> he goes, uh, but look, bro, Ric Flair won't let us write anything for him. So you're going to have to go to him and see what do you, what does he want to do? I go, okay. So I go into Flair's off. Uh, it was like an office, his room, his room. Right. Yeah. I go into his room and I said, Oh, Russo said, we're going to, we have a promo today working together. Flair goes, yeah, we're going to tear the house down, brother. <laughs> uh, I go, uh, he, he said, uh, I should get with you and figure out what you want to say, how we want to, he goes, Oh, I don't talk about my promos ahead of time. He goes, we'll, we'll do it out there. And I start laughing, and then he started laughing because I was laughing. Right. Because I thought he was joking. Um, so I kind of like, I'm going to walk out, but then I come back, and I'm like, uh, so when I come out, what do, what do you want me to say? What are you going to be saying? And he goes, I told you. <laughs> I don't talk about my promos ahead of time. We'll do it out there. And he kind of like, he slaps me on the shoulder, a little power pat, and then he, he walks out of the room. Yeah. And I remember thinking, why is he walking out? This is his room. Like, why, why did he there? So up until that point, I'd done a bunch of the Macho Man, uh, the, the Black Machismo. So get this. If they needed me to cut a promo, A, B, C, D, E, right. as Black Machismo, I didn't even have to hit all those points. I do a little bit of A and B. Maybe I skip C and D all together and go right to E. And they call cut. Perfect. Good. So I, I was just this one take wonder, but it didn't really matter what I said, just as long as I had that voice. Right. 
And all of my promos were all pre-tapes. I'd never, they had never let me cut a live promo in front of a live crowd. Oh, wow. Ever. Wow. This was the first time, and I got to go through it with Ric Flair. Mm. So all that was, the only thing planned was I go out there and imitate Flair. That's it. He comes out, and who knows what's going to happen after that. That was the only thing planned. And I remember standing behind the curtain before they hit Flair's music for me to go out. People are going to be so confused. (laughs) And, like, my hands started going numb. I was so nervous. And Simon Diamond came up to me. He goes, you look terrified are you okay i go i'm terrified i I, like i've never cut a live promo before and now i get like and i don't even know what's gonna happen like what if he says i say something i'm not supposed to say and he's like just relax he goes what you gotta understand is the only reason you're about to do what you're doing now is because you've been doing something in the locker room that's so funny and so cool so when you go out there just pretend like you're in the locker room don't do anything that you wouldn't do back here Great advice. It, it made total sense to me. Didn't make me feel any better, but logically <laughs> in my head, in my head, I understood what he was saying. So I went out there and man, it was a blur. The whole thing was just a blur. I had to watch it back so many times. Yeah. It, it's worth everybody watching it back. Oh, and yeah. Now, now we know it was completely ad lib, which is wonderful, which to me, it's old school the way promos should be done anyway. I mean, you know what you're going to do, go out and talk. And right. I've told you many times that I can watch you uh, elbow drop your jacket a million times. <laughs> it is, to me, the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and you can tell that Flair was just dying inside. He wanted to laugh, you know? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. There was one time where I know that I got him. Right. I said a line. He only said this line maybe two or three times on film. God knows how many times he said it, you know, and it wasn't recorded. But there's not many recordings of him saying the line, jumping on is a lot easier than jumping off. (laughs) And when I said that line, you could, all he could say was, wow. Because he had a smart comeback and reply for everything that I was saying, except yeah. for that. All he did, all he could say was "Wow," and that—that's when I knew I got him. Because he said "Wow," and he was kind of like laughing and smirking when he said it. Um, that made my my life right there. <laughs> it is wonderful. It is absolutely wonderful. It is worth everyone watching. I can tell you that. Well, uh, thank you, thank you, Tony. So, Aubrey, you ready for fan questions coming up next? I'm so ready. Uh, fan questions coming up next. For the one and only, woo, Jay Lethal on Unrestricted. This is AEW Unrestricted, Tony, Aubrey, and woo, Jay Lethal here. <laughs> talking about all of the incredible things that he's done so far in wrestling and just, oh my God, this is so great. We have fan questions and there's plenty to, plenty to go around. So we're going to start with American Hero asks, on the same topic, what is your favorite impression, flair, macho, or something else? I think it's macho because the thing about all the impressions that I do, which is not a long list, I think I got a pretty good Jimmy Hart too, but I need my megaphone. The thing about the flair and the macho is if flair has never, if I've never heard flair say it, then it's hard for me to come up with the way he would say it. I, I understand. It's this weird thing where I have to have heard him say it before I can, you know, but with the Savage, no matter what, like I, I've never had heard Savage eat cake 
but I mean, I, I, I bet he'd like chocolate. Uh, maybe, maybe it's one of those half and half cakes. Yeah. Uh, so with the, with the <laughs> Savage, I can say almost anything. But the Flair one, it, I have to have heard him say it. So my favorite one to do is probably Macho Man because uh, it's, it's a little easier for me. Although when I started the Black Machismo character at Impact Wrestling, they sat me in a booth. I said, oh, yeah, maybe I'm not kidding. A hundred times. They had me say all these lines, maybe 50 to 100 times. And then um, shortly after that, they were making the TNA Impact video game. And uh, I was like a large part of the story mode. Because when you enter the story mode, me and Kevin Nash help you through the story mode. Well, anyway, I had to read so many lines with that voice. And man, it was the next day. It was killing me. And at that point, I was like, I don't like doing this anymore. <laughs> uh, but it got way easier after that. But for, so for a short period of time, Macho Man was, I hated doing it because it was stressful in the voice. But then afterwards, I was like, yeah, it's definitely easier than the flare. Because flare, you got to yell and right. take your pants off maybe a few times. <laughs> <laughs> definitely undo the belt. Definitely. Down to his underwear. Uh, oh, God. So, so yeah, I, I picked Macho Man impression. And I understand about uh, stress on your voice in video games, and, and Aubrey can attest to this. I've, I've done many video games, and that works not easy. No. Always so forward. Nope. It is really, really not. Real Steve V wants to know, and this is a very involved question, so hang in there. Oof. Jay, your style is fluid, crisp, and current, in my opinion. I don't recall you ever working a different style, but I only know you as far back as TNA. How has your in-work changed, if at all, over the years? And do you do any kind of preparation to adapt to different opponent styles? Uh, no, I don't do anything to adapt to because Jonathan Gresham said it best. He said, styles make fights. Like when you get two people in there with different wrestling styles, that's what makes an interesting wrestling match. Yeah. But throughout the years, I, I wouldn't say that I've changed anything on purpose. I would say that I've learned a lot more and uh, I've learned to do things a little bit better, but not never changing it on purpose. And the one of the coolest thing is about what he said was, you know, he's realizing my wrestling style or looking at this, looking at that. One of the cool things about wrestling that I think as well is whenever you look at a particular wrestler, what you're looking at when you watch them perform, for lack of a better term, is what they think wrestling should be. So when you watch me, you see Macho Man. You've got to see some flair. You've got to see a little bit of Bret Hart because I was a big fan of Bret. And there's some Benoit in there because technically sound. I don't think there's anybody better. Mm -hmm. So you're just watching a massive ball of who I think was really good and what I think professional wrestling should be and is. And that's what you're watching when you watch each particular professional wrestler. So to have a fan point out what they're seeing when they watch it, to me, is, is super cool. But yeah, I, uh, I I haven't changed anything on purpose throughout all my years of wrestling. It's just uh, some things naturally change when you learn a little bit more and you and when you get better. There's so many people that do change their styles over time, so I think it's a very interesting way to stick about it. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with Gresham. I think it's great when you know that this guy's style is this and this guy's style and how they're going to clash together. Like perfect. Hundred percent. Yep. Hundred percent. Matt Henson asks, have you remained in contact with Truth Martini and will you ever get a will we ever get a chance to see him manage you again? I have stayed in contact with Truth Martini. In fact, his birthday was the other day, May 8th. 
um, which is same birthday as my brother. Um, so it's hard to forget his birthday. And it's, it falls on Mother's Day many times as well. But as to will I ever see him manage me again? That I don't know. I, I had a great time when Truth Martini was my manager. I loved having a manager. I just think that, uh, in my opinion, some people who have managers, I got to be careful how I say this, but you've got to be willing to let your manager carry the ball. And sometimes it's a tough thing for Russ or to want to do, put a, so much faith into your manager. And I put so much faith into Truth Martini when we were together. If you watch any of our matches, he is just as involved um, and he is as big a part of the match as I am in the ring. So I really love the having a manager dynamic. And now I have a manager that's over seven feet tall. He can't move like Truth Martini could, but uh, it's definitely going to be uh, interesting. And, and Sanjay's out there too. So, mm. yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if the cards will ever, you know, bring me and Truth Martini back together. Hopefully, fingers crossed, you never know. Of Cooler, that's Of Cooler wants to know, can you give details on how you set up prep for the Field of Honor match with Shinsuke against Red Dragon back in 2015? I hardly remember that. I watched that back not too long ago. Yeah. I hardly remember. And you want to know why I think I hardly remember? I was starstruck and still am a big fan of Shinsuke. I have a few pictures that we took on my phone, actually, from that day. And I remember thinking, I love this guy's style. He's like Michael. If Michael Jackson was a wrestler. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I got in the locker room, he was over in the corner stretching. And I don't know if I have the room to do it, but the coolest stretching I've ever seen. He was just loosening up his shoulders. He was doing this like cool little dance just to loosen up his shoulders. And I remember when I saw that, I was like, this guy is so freaking cool. And the rest of the day is really like a blur. I don't really remember us getting together. And I, I didn't even remember the match until I watched it back. It's not like I got hit in the head or anything, but all I really remember from that day is thinking it's so cool to be working with Shinsuke. Cause I'm such a fan of his is wild. He's such a cool guy. Got a question from captain hostile. Why did you cut your hair off? And do you ever plan to bring that look back? Okay, well, <laughs> uh -oh. uh, unfortunately, Captain, I couldn't bring that look back if I tried. One strike against me was I had braids for 13 years straight. I counted for so every two weeks, my sister or my cousin had to rebraid my hair 13 years straight. That was strike strike one against me. Uh, strike two against me was my dad balded quite early in life uh so you know when you put both of those things together it didn't end up too good for me writings on the wall the writing was definitely <laughs> on the wall and i remember one time my sister was braiding my hair and she made this weird sound she goes hmm <laughs> i remember looking up and i said wait what what happened what does that sound and she was like, oh, no, nothing, nothing. And then she continued braiding my hair. And then every time she would redo it, there'd be a weird sound that she would make. And finally, she was, you know, just came out and said it. This is getting thin here. I go, really? She goes, yeah, you want me to add some hair to it? Add hair. <laughs> like, oh, no, this is not good. Add hair. <laughs> so uh, when a wrestler does not cut their hair and they let it bald and they continue not to cut it, Truth Martin and I, we call that 
fighting the good fight. <laughs> and I remember having that conversation with him. And he said, you know, Jake the Snake never cut his hair. Macho Man, Hogan, they, they fought the good fight. You got to fight the good fight. And I said, yeah, you're right. So I let it continue until it was very noticeable. And then I remember going to the barber and I was like, I need to, this time. I got to cut it. And I turned the clippers on. He was sad to do it. And I go, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Well, why don't I try to make an angle out of this? So then I called Ring of Honor and they were like, yeah, of course. Like, why would we say no to that? <laughs> so uh, the Young Bucks and Adam Cole beat me down. They held me and Adam Cole in front of my grandma shaved my head and she was in tears. Oh, no. She was in tears. Yeah. That's why I don't have the hair. And it, unfortunately, will never come back. And sometimes, you know, you have those lazy days where you don't shave for a while. And that's when I really feel old. I just had a birthday not too long ago. So I just turned 20. Uh, it's 20. I just turned 37. 27. <laughs> right. 27. 27. And uh, I'm like, man, I feel great. I don't feel, you know, not that 37 is old by any means. Um, I'm not Tony Shabani's age yet, but not that, you know, 37. I'm like, yeah, I feel, feel good. And if I don't shave for a while and I see that patch that doesn't grow and everything else is growing, that's what makes me feel old. So that's my motivation to, keep my head freshly shaved because I don't want to feel old when I look in the mirror fighting the good fight. The next time I see, you, I've got to say, Hey Jay, you want to add some hair? You go, add hair, add hair. <laughs> Just, I mean, he laughs, that's but the amount of hair, our hair and makeup team adds to people is much higher than I think people would understand. So yeah, oh, I'm sure. yeah. Okay, though well, that makes me that makes me feel better, Aubrey. Oh yeah, there's there's a huge amount of fake hair in our makeup department. So <laughs> yeah, a lot. Do not worry, sir. If this is something you want to approach again, like I'm sure Janet Mirandin can hook you up. <laughs> got it. Got it. <laughs> here's a here's a question that really doesn't have to do with wrestling. It comes from Ryan Asvidian, who wants to know what's your favorite movie and what sports teams, if any, do you root for? Okay, hundred percent favorite movie of all time: Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. The original one? The original one, which actually, the original one is called Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. The remake is called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Right. Oh. The original one was supposed to be called Charlie and Chocolate Factory, but they thought that name would be offensive. Um, so they changed it to Willy Wonka because at the time, that name Charlie was used for other things. So anyway, uh they they made it Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That's my all-time favorite movie. In fact, my life is patterned after that movie. I am Charlie from The Chocolate Factory. <laughs> I know that movie forwards backwards. I know every song, I know every line, I know every quote. Like that movie is the best movie in the world to me. And as far as sports teams, I'm I've always considered myself a hometown guy. So I like to cheer for the home team. Well, that was, you know, while I lived in New Jersey, uh, once I moved to Tampa, Florida in about 2010, 2009, uh, my favorite sports team for football became the Panthers. I was still, I'm a big fan of Cam Newton, but every other sport, I just cheer for whoever the home team is. Florida, we got the Bucks, and I've never been to, a, I've been to one Lightnings game actually, and it was amazing. Oh, Tony, Tony, what's going on here? What's going on? Cam freaking Newton and the Auburn freaking Tigers can kiss my Georgia Bulldog ass. Oh, Tony, it's okay. Anyway, okay, so go ahead. I'm sorry, I interrupted. No, no, it's okay. Uh, yeah, but that's it. I'm, I'm a hometown guy except for football. 
My favorite team is the Panthers. And Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, oh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is my favorite movie. And I refuse to even acknowledge the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie. Even though I think Johnny Depp's a great actor, I just did not like it. Some movies just should not be remade. No. You're right. I agree. And that is a classic. Mm -hmm. Even though when it came out, bombed in theaters. Really? And then later on in life became this, they got this big following, this cult classic. But yeah, when it first came out, it did, did not do very well. Well, this this interview, I think, is going to end up being one of our classics. Oh. Jay Lethal, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Your stories are excellent. Like, I'm so happy you're finally a part of the AEW family. I love working with you. I love every time I mess up the chicken butt line uh, <laughs> that you ask me backstage. Yes, it's hard to get. It's hard to get. It's hard to get. I, I should know what's up by now. <laughs> so I've done that chicken butt line with about 10 people. And once you get past a certain time amount of time of saying it, you can't catch them anymore. It's tough to get them. I'm like a 50-50. I'm getting there. I don't know. Yeah. It's hard. But you'd be surprised how many times I've tried that with people over the years. And that's not even a thing. They were like, chicken butt. What is that? I don't get it. Okay. They've never heard that joke. Guess what? What? Chicken butt. They've never heard it. You can follow Jay Lethal on... <laughs> On Instagram and Twitter, Sanjay's at daughter, Chicken Butt. Sanjay's yeah. daughter loves that joke, by the way. Huh. Really? Yeah. Guess what, Chicken Butt, yeah. Uh, your handle is the, J, the Lethal J, The Lethal J on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, listen and follow the podcast. We are AEW Unrestricted. We're free on Apple, uh, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the video episodes on YouTube. Just search AEW Unrestricted. Aubrey, you got the rest. We are on Dynamite on TBS on Wednesdays. We're on Rampage on TNT Fridays. Dark Elevation you can watch on YouTube on Mondays. And then Dark you can watch Tuesdays on YouTube. It's so much stuff to watch. So much awesome wrestling. Every new person who joins our company. There's just so many awesome places to see them. I'm Aubrey Edwards here with Tony Schiavone. Thank you for listening to AEW Unrestricted. Come on, throw your hands up. Let me see you. Unrestricted. Got the house now. We gonna turn it.